and welcome to episode 28 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. My name is Jane Jazrawi. I'm the co-founder of Carrier's Edge. And with me, as always, is... Mark Morell, other co-founder of Carrier's Edge. Yes, second co-founder of the two. Second executive vice co-founder. Yeah, chief bottle washer. Yeah. There you go. And cook. That's what it was, chief cook and bottle washer. Yes. Did you say which episode number it is? I did, See, 28. Well, that's how well I'm paying attention. I know, you should be like fixating on every word I say. Well, I'm fixating If you were a good co-founder. Yes, if I was a good co-founder. But I was distracted looking at my new large monitor here so I can actually see more of what we're recording and <laughs> what's happening at any given time. It's always amazing when you get new technology and you realize how far... And that's not even... Your new monitor is not even a new, no, new, new monitor. It's new to you. It's an old... It's like a 17-inch? No, this is a 27-inch. Oh, is it? Oh, sorry. That's what I meant. Um, but it's my old monitor because my new computer, that monitor, my new computer is so nice that that monitor makes it look bad. Yeah. So we got you a proper 4K monitor. Yes. And so I get the, uh, considering the, the, the number studio. of graphics I do. Oh yeah. It makes I sense. I need that. Yeah. And this, this is luxury for me. I can see so many different screens of what's being recorded and all of the levels. And luxury. It is luxury. So you don't have to walk uphill both ways when you <laughs> record these podcasts. No, and mastering will be nicer too. Mm-hmm. So for today's podcast, um, best we, fleets. I assume we're mostly going to talk about the best fleets yeah. program. So because we have just we wrapped have up, it, yes, yes, we've wrapped up the 2019 program. Uh, we have. The top 20, we also have overall winners that we are not going to speak of. But. Well, I don't know if we should say we've wrapped it up. We, we've gone to the next phase. So last True. time we were doing this podcast, we had finished the scoring and we were in that place where we knew who the top 20 were, but we couldn't hint at it. We couldn't say anything right. because we hadn't even started the teasers yet. And the but, teasers are wondrous for not really giving you yes, any information at all. we mastered the art of a teaser that tells you nothing. Oh my God, yeah. So... Now we have actually got the top 20 announced. Mm -hmm. We've got our fleets to watch. Um, five and, timers. And yeah, my genius move of giving Which people five timer credit <laughs> when they don't get deserve it. So yes, yeah. so I will have a mea culpa to begin this podcast that I had a fail when um, providing notes for the press release. I gave a list of people that had hit their five time milestones Except that uh, of the three that I provided, only two of them had actually hit that five-time milestone. And one of them was good enough to say, well, it's great, but we're only a four-timer. I'm like, ugh. Yeah. And I was thinking, should we just issue a, like a correction or something like that? But then I thought it's like one sentence in the, in, the, uh, in the press release, and it's not the part that most people focus on. So I'll just leave it. But every time I get an alert saying some other media outlet has picked up that story i see it there again and i scan through it and there they are the the inaccuracy so i don't like that so if we were doing a breakout session at the convention i would start by saying that uh, this was my fail uh, do you want me to say that in the awards presentation <laughs> i can do that no so, yeah save it for the general session when yes. you're doing your large mark morell made a mistake Mark is a bozo. TLD Logistics is not a five-timer. 
Now, I said to them, okay, you really have to make it next year. I know. Can so you imagine? Look, so that I look like I am sort of a, a prophet rather a, than an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not. And I'm not going to say that, oh, of they who's will, gonna they'll be, certainly yeah. make it. Because we learned that you cannot, cannot assume who's going to make it. So no, prophesize. We, we cannot prophesize on who will make it and who won't. So last week we had the big announcement and we spent a bunch of the week sort of going through all of the odds and ends. And we are realizing that there is a huge number of moving parts around this announcement uh, because we've got, it's well, not just a matter of putting together a press release and putting it out there, but we've got um, the press release press release has to be approved by a couple of different groups Mm -hmm. and that has to go out and we issue it or we gave it to TCA and they officially issue it, but we post it on the best fleets website and that whole website needs to be updated. Then there's all the social media stuff that you do, which is several different social media feeds and a whole bunch of things that need to be done there. And you graphics, the graphics. Yeah. You can't just throw a bunch of words on a page and send it to somebody. Nope. And people don't really uh, engage with the announcement uh, when it's just words. Yeah. You know, having the logos there and the pictures there and all of that, it really helps spread the word, which is kind of my, is my uh, realm. Yeah. So you've got all that to do. The website, I send the, the data to one of our developers and he's got a process for updating it. But then we also have all of the follow-up messages that we Mm -hmm. have to send to the participants, which is getting to be its own thing because I've got like, well, this year I had three separate message templates that were ready to go. Uh, A general wrap-up message that goes to everybody that sort of thanks for participation. And if you want more information on your results, here's where to go and what to do about it and all of that kind of thing. Then there is the message for all of the top 20 to start getting ready for the convention and here's what we need for you uh, from you in advance of that and please get us this information by this date and all of that. And this year I had a separate, a third message, which is specifically about the winner's logo that they get. I put in, uh, broke it out into a separate yeah. message and I asked people to acknowledge receipt of that message because I'm going to start a rant here. Okay. Forewarned. <laughs> Spoiler. Press play. Yeah. Rant begins. Every year we have people abusing the logo, misusing it or using it incorrectly, and it drives us up the wall. We hate having to police this and be babysitters when people take the logo and they chop the year off so they try and make it look like they've been the best fleet of all time every year ever. Or they butcher it in some way. They chop something off. I mean, we can't really stop them from squishing and mashing it the way they do sometimes, but... Making their own bastardized version of the logo just drives me nuts. So this year, we finally got to the point where we're like, okay, here is the logo. We'll spell it out in a separate message. This is the only logo you're allowed to use. Do not alter this logo. If you're caught using the wrong logo or changing this one, you will be banned from the program. You must ask us. If you keep doing it, we will seek legal recourse which I feel like a jerk doing that, but we have to because we've got people that are just putting the general version of the logo on their trucks. And it's like, don't spend that money doing a trailer wrap or doing decals with the wrong logo that's going to get you sued. And the other thing is, is that we will work with 
companies to yeah, do it. Yeah, if they want something, we will happily work with yeah. them. You've done so many different variations of the logo for people that want to incorporate the various years that they've been on the top 20, and that's great. We want them to be able to market it however they they want to market it and something that is specific to them. Uh, that's all fantastic. But I have not seen a better... Uh, when people change the logo, I have never seen a better version. <laughs> it's not like I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. I want to use that instead. It's it's always like, oh, why did you do that? Well, and what often happens, is, and I'll be watching for it from last year's top 20, is the people who are on the top 20 in the past and aren't this year have a, you know, last year they had the proper version that included the year. This year they will funnily enough, end up using a version. They'll still have that logo out there, but they will have magically cut the year off. Yeah. So it still looks like they're a winner. And I hate that. I It's duplicitous. It's dishonest. It's sending the wrong message to drivers. And it just makes me feel like they really shouldn't be on that list. If that's the kind of, I don't know, cheating, if that's a kind of less than honest. Or if you want to, yeah, like if you want to try and uh, manipulate people. It's sneaky. Yeah. You know, it is. It's not in the right don't spirit. Trust you. Yeah. It's that's, not in the right spirit. So, okay. I'm containing but myself. You know what? I haven't cursed at all. <laughs> well, you'd have to edit that out. But, you know, I've learned, and through this is through course development, um, that people's branding is very important to them. I mean, we have issues every year because we can't tell the top 20 that they're going to be the top 20 and give us a logo for the announcement, right? The mm-hmm. announcement is like, here you go. So we always have the issue of people have changed their logos and we didn't know. Mm-hmm. Like even if they're, um, they've are they been in the program for years, like they don't tell us. So sometimes I, I'm using or you or the website is using the wrong logo. Yeah, they change from an ink to an LLC or something. Yeah, this is what happened with apps is that I we were using two different logos. One was right and one was wrong. But what the important thing is, is every company has branding. And that branding is extraordinarily important. And when I was doing course development, the template that I always used for, like, and this is when I was doing uh, custom courses for different companies. Like I remember uh, doing a course for uh, a bank in uh, here at home in Canada and there was massive amounts of rules that you had to follow. The logo could not be, uh, has to be a certain distance away from other objects. You couldn't use this version of the logo on a colored background. You can use like, like entire pamphlets on how to use the logos. And basically our big thing is please just don't cut the ear off. Yeah. <laughs> it's the easiest thing to do. Like just you know, accept the logo for what it is. Yeah, it's not uncommon for big companies to have very complete sets of guidelines oh. and not just the logo, colors, very yes. specific colors that must be used. With the Pantone, the yeah. Pantone uh, numbers. Yeah. And or even like at least uh, CMYK or RGB values, which basically are the the things that when you're using colors that makes you gets you a very very specific color that will work out in print so if you're not using the right pantone color you may have a different shade of turquoise or mustard or cyan or whatever Mm -hmm. and companies get very upset about it and i see it in the in the uh, best fleets logos when i'm looking for uh people's logos when I'm trying to put together the announcement and the graphics for the announcement, 
oh, like sometimes I get a page of like just five different logos of yeah. I don't know. And sometimes people have the like sometimes there are company names that are duplicated. So we found that this year is that uh, you have to be careful you're not using the wrong logo for a completely different company with the same name. Yep. Which is in the same, uh, what do you call it, the same market, which is so weird because in the software industry, if you have a logo that somewhat resembles another person in the same market, if someone's getting sued. Well, that's an, an interesting point because company names seem to have a very different culture in the transportation world than they do in the tech world. Yeah. In the tech world, company names are almost always made up words because everybody... With no vowels. (laughs) Yeah. Well, now that's the current thing is, you know, take some word and remove the vowel or a vowel from it or something. Right. And it's almost always a very single or simple word. Like Lyft, L-Y-F-T. Yeah. You misspell a word. Um, You take an existing word and... You know, reuse the sort of purpose of it, um, and that becomes your thing. And it becomes um, part of your branding. Becomes your branding, but it's also very distinct. And everybody sort of starts naming, particularly these uh, venture-funded companies that have got lawyers that are saying, "Okay, here's how to come up with a company name." You know, you always want to follow the Xerox model because the lawyers and the venture capitalists love that. Xerox is like the best example of it because it's a made-up word. It means it means something very specific in a scientific capacity, but there's no way that anybody's going to have any name that's even remotely close to you without directly infringing on your your trademarks and your copyrights. So it's a great example. So everybody comes up with these really bizarre names, uh, and you think about these things that are all weird words that are missing vowels or missing a letter or something, but they're all guaranteed to be distinct. And in transportation, it's like the total opposite. Everybody does it. They all have their own way of doing it, and it's all based on an individual. It's based on the name of the guy who started the company. So pretty much um, every single one of them starts off with that. And there's a few of them that have become something else that have kind of rebranded or they've amalgamated into something else. Uh, or if it's not the, the name of the guy who started it. It's the name of the place. It's the name of the town where he started it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple that I that are not that, but no, I would agree with they you. They stick out. Yeah, the, yeah. That, those are the duplicates actually. <laughs> the one that you're thinking of, yeah. you know, sticks out as being very odd, very uncommon because of that. Uh, but there's and I guess if it's based on somebody's name, you're not that likely to have um duplication or confusion in that area except that there's so many people in trucking named Keller and they all started businesses. So you get a lot of those. There's also, uh, yeah, I, I can't bay pride. I'm trying to think of that. that I just kind of see over and over and over again. Yeah. And, but you do kind of see common, common themes of names, but I think that because a lot of trucking companies are not national, they're very regional uh, and or have a very specialized in- industry that they serve that there isn't that confusion that you get in software where you know all software has to be you know global yeah global domination oriented the trucking industry is not global domination oriented yeah they're not worrying about coming up with a name that 
isn't an insult in Chinese or something like that. Yeah. What you have to deal with in the software world, you got to make sure that that word doesn't mean something inappropriate in some other language. And plus, most trucking companies are started by one person. Yeah. And, you know, use that name. But that seems to be very, uh, it's a very traditional way of looking at it. it. What we found in the software industry is that people's names don't really work because no, you know, people are not all that interested. They're interested more in the technology or being cool. There's a there's a coolness factor that, uh, you know, Apple kind of has that sort of cool factor where it's that you know it's an Apple, but where you've got Microsoft, which is slightly less cool. There are a few tech companies where the name came from somebody's individual name, uh, McAfee Antivirus. And that's somebody's um, name. Yeah, John oh, McAfee. Oh yeah. Now the problem for them is that he kind of went crazy. Did he? Uh, left the company, moved to somewhere in South America where he kind of lives off the grid and he's a little bit of a sort of a local legend for this not really the... great reasons. Oh. Um, yeah. So they're trying to distance themselves from him. And I guess that's part of the challenge is you end up being tied to that founder. Um, and that's, that yeah. Be a problem. Being tied because you can never sell your business if the founder is part of the brand and part of the... Uh, you know, the value of the company, then selling your company is a lot more difficult. Yeah. However, in transportation, that's not always the case. There's, it's very different. Yeah, it's a very different kind of business, for sure. But I didn't expect to be talking about this. No, About branding and the top 20. So, yeah. sorry about that. But you did not give me a, an itemized list of things to talk about. So. I did not. I just figured we would go. Mm-hmm. There's so much to talk about with Best Fleets. Yeah. It's this so in, in crazy, intense uh, experience that, uh, you know, coming out of it, there's so many things that you could just spend some, like an hour just on one little part of it. Well, one of the things that I thought was kind of timely to talk about, uh, because it only happens, an experience that only happens for a week or so around the announcement, and that is watching the response of the people who don't make it onto the top 20. So there's 80 finalists this year, 20 of them make it onto the top 20, which means, well, and five of them get a fleet to watch. So 25 out of those 80, which means 55 people are disappointed. Yeah. And I don't like that. I, I don't Every like year either. I kind of look at it and think, ah, I, I wish we could give it to more of them because most of those 80, well, all of those 80 have got some really good stuff going on. Most of those 80, you're like, wow, they really got some They should get some recognition of some kind. something. Yeah. And, you know, we could make it a top, you know, 40 or something like that and still feel comfortable that good companies are getting recognized. But right now, it's top 20 plus five honorable mentions. And the five honorable mentions aren't the next five in the list. They're the five that stood out as people that we want to watch because they're on the way to something. So they're on the way point, to being be, the top 20. Yeah. At some yes. point in the future, they're, are, they are likely going to be on that top 20. They're not there yet, but we expect them to get there. And most of the time, like each year we do five of these and two or three of them end up on the top 20 in subsequent years. So there's sort of a good track record of that. Yeah. We're usually not crazy about what we about who we think like if if the companies that we call a fleet to watch and we do this just out of our own what we how we feel about them Mm -hmm. um 
they are if they keep going on the trajectory they're going on, they're going to be in the top twenty. That's what that's kind of what we believe. And we've had I think how many of the top twenty were fleets to watch? Quite a few. I don't remember the exact number, but it was like nearly half. Yeah. So at some point in in the past, they were fleets to watch. And so I think that's actually Mm -hmm. good for us that, you know, we predicting we're predicting that you are going to get onto the onto that list. So people who are fleets to watch should take that seriously. Mm -hmm. It's not a we're not doing this lightly. We're not just sort of going, ah, who do we like? Mm -hmm. You know, it's more about, wow, those are impressive programs. But for some reason, it's satisfaction or safety numbers were down and, you know, but if you can turn those around, then you're top 20 material. Mm-hmm. You're on the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And, but I always, there are always, well, not always, but sometimes we throw in some companies that I really don't expect to be on the top 20, but I just love. Hmm. There, and, or that are so tiny, but have such great programs. Mm-hmm. Like for like a 10 truck company, you're like, wow, how did you do that? And yeah. you should be a fleet to watch. And often we don't hear from them, but there is the one um, uh, that's not on the top 20 anymore, but they were on the top 20 for a couple of years, uh, Farm to Fleet. Oh, yeah. They were like, I just was so astounded by them. And they did make the top 20 for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, Even they, the ones that are a little bit out there, mm-hmm. sometimes we we uh, get them onto the top 20. Well, we don't do it, but they get themselves. And then we spend a week watching how they react to the announcement. And some of them, I mean, a lot of them are great. And, and it's Witters as well. But, um, you know, some of them are great and they talk about, you know, this is such a great honor and some of them are good that way. Some of them kind of go away and they kind of, it's like they go away and hibernate for a bit and then they'll pop up a month later and ask for a report or want to know more about it. But it's like they've got to go and process it for a bit. And some of them, sort of ones that make the the top 20, will kind of, I don't know, misunderstand or misinterpret how they got there. And they'll be posting things like, thanks to our drivers and proud to be voted one of the best or or selected. And it's like, they use these words and I kind of know where they're going, but I, I cringe every time because it's like, we didn't select you. Yes. This is, here's the thing. We do select the fleets to watch. We choose them. We do not select the top 20. We do not select the overall winners. We do not. It is an objective uh, scoring process, and it's basically, you know, the scoring process is kind of our secret sauce, but we are not, um, we can defend it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it has it, to pass the smell yeah, test every year. It's objective. It's not, you know, people might get up and say, you know, why is this company on there? They don't deserve it. And it's like, well, you know what, if you knew this company the way that we know them because we've talked to them and we've seen what their driver satisfaction looks like, you may have a different idea. Just because you have a beef with them doesn't mean that they're not a good company to work for. So that's another that mm-hmm. voted by voted by drivers. No, yeah, the drivers you weren't voted voting. by drivers. Drivers confirmed yes. what you are already telling us. Confirmed by drivers. That's what you should that would put be, And that would yeah. probably be a more effective marketing pitch, you know? We think we're great and our drivers agree, which Perfect. is really what's happening. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly, that's exactly it. So yeah, we'll be, we'll be talking about that if we do speeches about this stuff this year. 
what I think is funny is that um, companies, companies who make the top 20 always tell us, oh, thank you for the honor. It's, you know, you do such a great service to the industry and that, um, which is, you know, nice to hear. And I'm glad that, you know, we're appreciated in the industry, but we don't hear it from the people who don't make the top 20. Yeah. Such an honor when they make it. Then the next year they don't make it. It's no longer. Yeah, an it's honor. not an honor. But actually, that's speaking. not true. We have a. There's a couple of fleets who have been in the program for a long time and who aren't making the top twenty, but do consider it a really good uh, program, and it does pu- push the industry forward, which is what we're trying to do. So, it's. Uh, yeah, it's nice getting those comments from the people that don't necessarily make it, and a lot of the people that say that are people that I look at it and, and say, yeah, you know, you guys are on the right path. You may not have quite made it into a fleet to watch or you didn't make the top 20, but keep doing what you're doing mm-hmm. and you'll get there. And a lot of being in the top 20 is really knowing or really having a good sense of your company. It's not so much how nice you are to your drivers. It's not so much, um, you know, your use of technology or, you know, what kind of fancy things you have in your terminal. I mean, that all helps, but it's really more the story of your company and your belief system. And do you, are you true to that or are you just kind of faking it? Yeah. And I think we talked about that last time, the importance of figuring out your story and um, talking about it and being able to share it and sort of understanding what that is and having everybody on the same page and that that really ends up making a, a difference in terms of how the overall thing gets packaged. You know, the answers to the questions, the, the feedback from the drivers, the overall success rate, all of those things really come out of understanding what you're about as a business and, you know, and continually looking for ways to build on that. And it also is about having a strong leader in the interview. Yes. And I, I, for the people who think that this is a recruiting or a retention contest, it is not. It is definitely not. I think it's more of a leadership contest than anything else. Uh, yeah, I, think I would agree. It's a, you know, and even if the person who's doing the interview is not the, the, the person who fills out the questionnaire and stuff like that is not the leader. If the leadership is involved somehow, sometimes they're not on the call, but they're involved. They're definitely involved. And the story that is told is told from that leader's point of view. And, and that it's a strong story. Everybody knows it. It's kind of fundamental to what the company believes as a unit rather than individuals. Those companies do better because they know... Um, they know where they stand. They know where their driver. They know what their drivers think, and they know what they're doing about what you know the things that are coming down the pipe. That's an interesting point, and I think it kind of leads a little bit into what you're planning for the convention, mm-hmm. the uh, the panel that you're doing with three of the winners, and you're talking about leadership issues and talking about um, like I think creating a culture uh, or having a strategy building a team to execute it and succession planning and all of those other things, mm-hmm. which somebody would look at that and say, well, what's that got to do with best fleets? You know, what, what does that have to do with best fleets for drivers? But the reality is that the best fleets program is a leadership program. It is about uh, evaluating the effectiveness of the leadership and the management team at that company. 
So yeah, it's not, it's not a recruiting tool. Yeah, it's nice. Um, and it probably makes life easier for recruiters if they've got that logo that they can put on their ads, but that's not really what it's about. And a recruiter will never get a company onto the top 20. No. Only the leadership can do that because a recruiter, their job is to basically go out and find bodies that fit a particular profile. But if they're not given a very clear direction on what that profile is and what to look for and who's going to be a good fit, they're never going to have success. They're just going to be hiring people that aren't a good fit and they're going to end up leaving. So that's not going to get you on the top 20. Um, and if you don't have the whole company sort of working together to execute that strategy, understanding what that strategy is and working towards executing it, you're not going to have a good workplace culture and you're not going to get on the list. So it really is a, yeah, I, I think that's an interesting angle that's kind of obvious, but we haven't talked about it a whole lot outwardly is that Best Fleets really is a leadership evaluation program. It's like the ultimate 360. <laughs> the ultimate 360 review for your leadership. Yeah, team. it is. It's true because you're getting feedback from, you're getting feedback from us through the interview process. And that's even through the questions that we ask. So if you don't have an answer to a question, that's part of your review. You're missing something. There's a chunk out of your leadership strategy that's missing. Um, if you, or if you, uh, I don't know, you can sort of, or from sometimes from the conversations that we have, where we talk about, sometimes in the interviews, we talk about not necessarily specifics, but the general trends of things that other companies are doing. Well, that's a key point because the questions are always derived from current best practices and emerging trends in the issue or in the industry. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you, we've got a question in a particular area, either it's a fundamental best practice or it's a newer question that's come up because people are starting to do it. So there's a, a heads up there that there's something you should be paying attention to. And if you don't have a good answer to that question today, you should be thinking about it for the future because mm -hmm. your competitors across the industry are doing something with that. And that's why we're asking about it. Yeah, those questions are coming out of nowhere. Those questions are coming out of what we see people doing where we've had to add questions because we have nowhere to capture it. Yeah. The answer. So people give us an answer and say, I don't know where to put this. And I'm like, well, there is nowhere to put it. So I will put it here and we're going to add a question. And mm -hmm. that is, I think that's primarily how Best Fleets evolves. But it's very important if you are just going, yeah, we don't do anything for, I don't know, what's a good example? Profit sharing was a new yeah. one this year. Yeah, we don't do any profit sharing. Well, you know, think about it. And sometimes the answer is we don't want to do profit sharing. Here's what we want to do instead. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. You, you don't have it. to do everything that we ask about. But what we do think is a, a sign of success is that you've thought about it. Yeah. And that's the other thing that I think sets the top 20 apart. And especially the overall winners is that they will ask those questions and consider alternatives. They're not going to say automatically, no, you can't do that in trucking. Yeah, they're going to look at it and say, well, what are we trying to achieve with this? Or what is this program trying to achieve? And this particular answer doesn't work for us, but how can we achieve that in a different way? Yeah. And that's when, yeah, I love those times when you have to add a question. That's yeah. a good question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're like, oh, I never thought of that. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, it's. I like to. I think that I'm going to try and frame, and I think we should do this in the speech, the top twenty speech, uh, when we do the awards on stage. We should add that in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because no, I'm going to add idea. that in, and then I'll add it in to my panel. So I have three really cool people on my panel. I have three people who are all um, disturbers, <laughs> <laughs> disturbers of the of the uh, fecal matter. Yes, <laughs> they may not think so, but uh, I think they all said something to the effect they, of they're going to say stuff that's unpopular eh, or different. So I have Sherry uh, Brumbaugh from Garner Trucking. Uh, Rick Williams from Central Oregon Truck Company and Andrew Boyle of Boyle Transportation. And younger, like no, uh, we've got Gen X and younger. So that uh, that will be interesting because mm-hmm. generally the panels are tend to have yeah. older people in no them. No boomers. And there's no All boomers. Right. In, Sick of seeing boomers on stage. Well, it's funny. They had their time. <laughs> Go retire. <laughs> Time for Gen X to get a, a bit of time here. The boomers are going to be in the other panels, like yeah. the panel before and the panel after. But I don't know. Maybe I should, uh, you know, make a. And also, the only women in the panels are me and Sherry. <laughs> that's not surprising. Yeah, I know, but that's got to change, man. I mean, I I always have this, and it's interesting because. Uh, I was, I saw, I don't remember why, I saw some YouTube video that just kind of popped up in some social media about women being competitive with each other Mm. and how it's, and I have this, this is totally me. It's like, you know, when I see another woman's accomplishments, part of me is like, oh, that's not me. And I'm definitely, uh, you know, I'm pushing the limits and I, and I want to be everywhere at all times. And, um, but this is not unusual for women who are trying to uh, succeed in an industry or in some arena where it's male dominated. Because the problem is, is that you only see, so say you have 10 spots on a board, for example, or you are 10 spots in leadership, and one of those spots is held by a woman. So you think in your head is that, that's the only spot that there is. So I'm competing with the other woman for that spot. Hmm. And I just thought, I have thought that for so long. And I was like, yes, that's perfect. And that's why women are often so competitive with each other. You know, it's like who owns women in the industry (laughs) and or who owns this issue. And, you know, there are people who really do a lot of work around this who are way more work than me. Um, So, you know, they should be getting that, that those accolades and things like that. And what I want to do is make sure that it's not just about women's issue, like having women on stage. We're not going to talk about being women. We're not going to talk about bringing on more women. We're going to talk about leadership because that's what we should be talking about. And part of that is deciding what to do about the lack of women in the industry. Um, but I would love to see, you know, 30% women on every association general session stage. Yeah, I, that would be And awesome. that's, I mean, I see... And that's still underrepresenting. I'm thinking that there may be, from all the things that I've seen or been to, um, unless it's a, like, it's with the exception of the women, women in trucking, um, that conference, 
it's like 10%, 20% maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. So 30% is not that big a deal. And we have, but even looking at the top 20, it's difficult to find women who are in leadership in that top 20. Well, that's why we started uh, changing the uh, the diversity question this year, because it was basically, what do you do to improve diversity in the industry, which was traditionally a, a more of a, a broader question. How are you attracting a more diverse population into the trucking industry? But this year we started looking at how is that diversity represented on committees and management? And there's lots of people that had great answers about what they're doing to encourage more mm-hmm. diversity among their drivers. But you look at their committees and their management team and the management team is still all white men. And OK, I'm going to talk about the America's road team in just a second. But every time I look at and this is in local, more Ontario based news, but I look at meetings with government officials and those kinds of announcement things and in people who are in that sort of public arena, it's all men. Like, yep. it's just guys in suits. Um, there was, and I'm thinking, where are the women? How come women aren't represented here? I am very happy, and I'll come, uh, coming back to representation, I'm, I'm really happy to see that four members of America's road team this year, the captains this year, are women. That's a great, mm-hmm. that's a great push. Yeah, out of what, there's like 20 of them or something in total, right? I think so, yeah. I think it's, yeah, yeah I think it's 20. 20. That's still a good breakdown. But every stage should have some representation from women. Like every public event, every everything in trucking should have something. Mm-hmm. Because there are women who are representing, there are women there. It's just that they are keeping themselves in the shadows or they are not being asked, they're not being invited, or they're being told that, no, you have to wait in line for you know your chance. Your chance is coming. And I think that if... Um, the sort of gaggle of men who are holding on to all of that PR themselves kind of let it go and sort of say, you know what, you would be good at this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get you to actually go out there and represent our company. That, I think that's the next step mm-hmm. of, of where trucking needs to go because you can't always just rely on the service providers to the industry to have the leadership yeah. of the female leadership, which is kind of what's happening. Yeah. Is that you see women, but they're always the service providers yep. in leadership. Yeah. Or government. Well, I would like to say that this is the fault of the baby boomers and blame them for it. But no. I know that there are Gen Xers that are stuck in the same rut as well. So we can't completely blame the boomers for that one. Well, I think that it's important to not blame men specifically for this. I think it's it's kind of a drag when, you know, it's all men and it's like, where's the women? So it's the men's fault because the women don't have a chance. But that's not really the case. There is um, women often, like I said before, you think there's one spot and you fight for mm-hmm. that spot and the women aren't working together. And they're not working with men. And this is the thing that I see um, real huge gaps is men and women working on that problem of visibility and inclusion into leadership. Neither of them are doing it. Mm -hmm. So it's 
you know, you have women-owned companies where women are not in leadership, mm-hmm. you, or that you have only three percent driver women drivers. Yep. You know, it doesn't. It's not a generally a problem that can be pointed at. Oh, you know, if you had more women in leadership, then there would be more women in trucking. That's not true. I don't think. I I really firmly believe that it has to. There has to be a change in the way of thinking before women-owned companies will actually naturally promote more women in the industry. Well, it it needs all of these things because one of the points we talked about before is that you need to see yourself in that industry and in that role in order to consider that as an option. You also need to step up. And that's the whole lean-in philosophy of uh, Sheryl Sandberg, which has kind of backfired because it kind of, a lot of people think that it gives the impression that women have to do all the work. Mm-hmm. But at some point, women have to do things that they're uncomfortable doing. Uh, well, not all women, but if you want to move ahead, if you want to play in this level, you have to you have to go and make yourself uncomfortable. You have to do the work. No one's going to say, oh, by the way, do you want to play at the Super Bowl when you haven't played, you know, four years of minor nasty gigs? Mm-hmm. You want to, you need to have that, those stepping stones. So speaking at smaller conferences, speaking at your local safety, uh, safety groups, chapter, your state uh, association, like doing those baby steps and, and, and also finding people who would be good at doing that and saying, you know what, you should step up and do this. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way, I think that's the path that people need to take to actually start really integrating women into this industry that has been so male dominated for so long. Mm-hmm. Wow. We've gotten very deep and very dense and serious here. I'm sorry. I have all these thoughts, man, and I don't have anywhere else to say them. You can't say that in a, (laughs) I'm going to do the awards. Before I start, let me tell you. Our panel is going to start with a 40-minute preamble of my thoughts on the industry. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think it's important to not just blame men, though. Hmm. That seems to be, you know, there was kind of this huge backlash, that whole, you know, where it's all men's fault. But then at the same time, Men don't, they don't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. So you have to work together so that everybody knows what to do because some of the things that men want are not going to be what women, there has to be some compromise. I really don't feel like I can weigh in on this at all. You can, go ahead. I don't have anything to say. Oh, well, that's different if you have nothing to say. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think that's all good. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. But anyway, that came out of the fact that Sherry and I are the only ones on the panel. <laughs> so to summarize, to summarize, Jane's doing a panel with one yeah. other woman, uh, and they're the only two women. And I would like to see, and I've said this to TCA, that you know you need to have more women up there. And but the thing is, is which women? Well, that's, like, yeah. who are they going to be? And, that's the chicken and egg for them. And also, do you want to recycle the same women over and over again? Yeah. Because then you're just going to get the, you know, that that expectation. You don't want that. Mm-hmm. But like getting younger drivers, it's a process. You have to start with who are the young leaders. And yeah, and start getting more people in the breakout sessions. Yes. 
um, more women and minorities as well. Because everything you're saying about women applies equally to minorities. Yes. So getting more of them doing breakout sessions and look at that as kind of a farm team for the general session speakers. And if they do well there and they're comfortable doing it and they've got content that is worth um, incorporating into a general session, then move them up at that point. And that's the other thing that uh, that YouTube video that I saw, and I can't even remember the woman who owned the company, uh, what the company was called. It was Novell or something. Not important. Okay. But anyway, one of the things that she was saying is that people say, oh, there are no women engineers or there are no way, you know, can't find any women. If I, if I could find women, I would hire them. And we hear the same thing in trucking. And it's the same thing with minorities is that they are out there. Mm-hmm. They definitely are out there, but you don't know them because you don't spend any, like you, that's just not who you are aligned. Well, it's not even aligning yourself with the people you tend to you, I mean, the general you, this includes you and me, tend to, you know, be around the same kind of people right. that we are. So, you know, white software people, relatively, you know, relatively educated, you know, interest in technology. Those are the people that we know and hang around with. Um, with trucking, you know, is the people who share the same not the same values, but the same experiences and are in the same areas. Same interests and backgrounds. Yeah. They're going to know each other and to find people outside of that is really difficult. You have to make a concerted effort to go somewhere else. And find those people. And that is, uh, that is, can be, that could be a challenge. Yeah. Oh yeah. But it makes you a better company. For sure, it makes you a better company because the more the more voices that you have that are new and sometimes have a completely different point of view, the better. Well, that kind of leads into one of the things that I think we talked about briefly last time that I'm going to be writing an article about. And that is the corporate blind spots that people have, the things that doesn't even occur to them. And we saw several of these going through the program this year, looking at people's answers to certain questions. And there's a large group of people that all had the same kind of answer that demonstrates a very specific blind spot related to something in that question. Like it doesn't occur to them. And one good example is I think the one that I'll probably write about is training for drivers. We say, talk about, you know, how much training do drivers get in their first year and second year and beyond. And there's so many fleets that give a very detailed answer to how much training a driver gets in the first year and then nothing beyond that. It never occurs to them that a driver gets training after the first year. Well, you want a driver to stick around for 15 years and the only training is in year one. That's no good. And when you do talk to them, they are doing something in there, but it's just, it's not something that even occurs to them. So they've got these blind spots and there are a number of these that we found throughout the business where people will have like complete lack of thought on particular areas. And the best way to avoid blind spots or identify them and rectify them is getting a diversity of opinions, yeah. getting more people involved in the in the thought process, the decision-making process. Um, I wrote a little bit of an article about that after we were in Dallas in August and we were ranting about that hotel that had just been renovated. Oh, and, and it was done for six foot two men. Clearly all the design was done by yeah tall men who yeah. never had anybody else look at the design 
because it was completely awful for you. Yeah, well, it wasn't completely, but it was, it's not, I'm also left-handed, so I find that there's a lot of things that are designed for right-handed people as well, and I kind of get used to it, but it was unpleasant, especially because it was a nice hotel. I mean, it was kind of, obviously there was some luxury there. It's Mm -hmm. just not luxurious for me. Yeah, well, we're going to stay somewhere different this year. This is in Dallas? Yeah. Well, we seem to go to Dallas like several times. Yeah. For this show, we're going to stay somewhere different. Okay. Um, So we'll see what that place is like. If we have another LinkedIn article about how awful the hotel is afterwards, that'll just be my LinkedIn articles from now on is just hotel reviews. Hotel reviews? (laughs) (laughs) You repost them on Yelp. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Or I don't know, Trivago. Yeah. No, that's just looking for hotels. I don't know. Wherever you post hotel reviews. So I think we probably uh, have covered that subject well now, 48 minutes in. So, Best fleets? Yeah. Oh, do we have other subjects to cover? I don't know that we have very much. we got a few odd things that are on the go. You know, since we've been swallowed up in Best Fleets, other stuff has kind of been on pause for a bit. But uh, I am... And I can't wait for you to tell me how I have to get some more courses out. Hey, got any courses coming? Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. So... We are in progress on yes, courses. Yes, we're in progress on courses, and we have a lot of stuff that is getting close. So we're going we're gonna to be in one of these situations where we have a whole pile of stuff that gets uh, Yeah, launched. that gets all thrown out at yeah. the same time. So with you know course-related stuff, but also on the back-end pieces, we've got a lot of features that are in, going through final testing right now. And um, I am optimistic that they'll be released this week and there's a bunch of stuff there plus the new servers which should speed up performance quite a bit um so we're getting closer on all of those so i am optimistic that by the next podcast in a couple of weeks all of those things will be done in live so in a couple of weeks yeah oh well, the so, your server stuff not my course stuff no no in my courses my feature or sorry yeah. my server stuff my features that is my optimistic prediction so well i will have another in a couple of weeks i will have another you'll uh, have another body i'll have another body who can these are our predictions so these are our predictions of what's going to happen well that person yeah i'm pretty sure that i'm gonna have another body but what i'm also going to say is that we will have new translations coming ah well that's the easiest thing to do (laughs) <laughs> so yeah. a new a new person is Start automatically going to be doing translations yeah 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 okay I well, that's transla- well we don't do the actual translation we get people who speak the language to do the translation so we're just we're just doing the prepping and then yeah. the assembly the and design stuff. is already done yep. the you know good way to get indoctrinated yeah get you get used to, see. to the courses the process the yeah. structure all of that thing very good so now that we've made our predictions probably a good time to pack it up okay Let's pack so, it up. Yeah, I think we're all done. So then. if you're coming to the TCA convention, you can Tuesday afternoon panel. I think we have two more podcasts before then. Oh, really? Okay. So, but yes, it's a good time to, uh, to buy register. your ticket. Register. I think the room block is filling up. It's Las Vegas in March. Come on. Yeah. You know you want to go to that. How do you not want to go to Las Vegas in March? There we go. So let's pack it in. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you. Have a good day.